Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. Welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing just splendid. And it's, you know, another beautiful day here in Houston. The weather's nice. And it's probably not going to get cold till about February. And hopefully everyone has their gas generators this year. Yes, I physically have one. Let me not go into details about the gas generator I ordered in April that was just delivered and not yet connected. Oh, wow. But hopefully before the freeze, we will have electricity because last winter when my son kept going to the pantry to look for the electricity and we had to explain <laughs> it wasn't there, that was disappointing. Right. Uh, that, that would be very disappointing as a child looking for electricity and you just can't find it anywhere. No. Did you but, give him ERCOT's number? No, that would have been interesting. Just let him, you know, dial away or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But he was a trooper. It was just, it was really hard to see him get so upset by, you know, being in the dark. And yeah, you know, he actually did okay in the cold, but yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Oh, I don't blame you. Hopefully we're much more prepared as a state and individually, you never know what can happen. But anyway, it's definitely 83 degrees here today and not freezing, which is nice. Yeah, I'll take it. Right. Well, anyway, Matt, so talking about drilling fluids, there's a topic that actually you brought up and one that I've heard, and I never really related it to drilling fluids just because I've heard the term used more from like being able to produce energy from it. But mm -hmm. that topic for today is gas hydrates. And you're going to do a wonderful job of tying it into drilling fluids, are you not? I'll do my best. Awesome. So, well, let's go ahead. So, Matt, what are gas hydrates? So, think of kind of like a solid ice material that contains gas, usually methane, but it could be like H2S, it could be other stuff, <laughs> propane, I mean, but it forms above the freezing point of the fluid. So, think like high pressure, low temperature environments, and what happens is Basically, the, a gas molecule sort of rearranges the water molecules around it to form this cage. So gas hydrates from the like energy demand world could be amazing for us. So like one cubic feet of, foot of gas hydrates can contain 170 cubic feet of gas. Hmm. So like think about when we talk about energy density and, you know, being one of the big limitations of, you know, alternatives and that sort of thing yeah, could be huge for that. And in fact, there's constant, you know, research and trials to come up with commercial extraction of this material. Oh. Because it's like sitting on the ocean floor. I think in Japan, they've actually successfully done some of this, but it's in the Gulf of Mexico. The thing is, when we get to the drilling side of things, it could be a pretty major hazard. So think of these hydrates forming in your BOP. You, you take a gas kick and then you've got that low temperature. You apply some pressure. It plugs up all your lines. So, you know, not only that, but, you know, drilling through it and, you know, encountering these shallow gas kicks. The thing that's scary is not only can it plug equipment, but you end up right above. It's like a shallow gas pocket that you've got to be ready to divert. And, you know, things don't float in gas cut water. So, I mean, you know, one thing I'll add with, with respect to, if you remember during kind of some of the Macondo efforts, they put this thing on called the top hat and they were going to divert everything underneath this cup and capture it all and send it back up. And 
the big head scratcher and look, somebody else listening may know this better than me, but everybody's like, well, what are they going to do about the hydrates that form if you're diverting oil production through, you know, through this cold temperature and everything, you're going to, you're going to trap some gas there and it's going to form hydrates if there's any water. Mm. And it did. Now, I don't know if something didn't work or what have you, but obviously that disaster kept going. But, you know, even in, in permafrost, for example, up in Alaska and Canada, it may be that you take some gas, but the other thing is you break down the gas hydrates because you don't want them. And now your formation starts to collapse, right? You have this big void. Yeah. So it could be a really big drilling hazard. And so, you know, and you hear about these predominantly in the production environment. We had a, you know, a production line plug off, that sort of thing. So hydrates all across, you know, drilling, completion, production, you're going to encounter hydrates. Just, you know, it requires a fairly specific environment that we don't encounter a lot with unconventionals, but it just seems like we've talked about a lot of things, Justin, and the fact we haven't talked about this, we should talk about hydrates and drilling fluids. Absolutely. Matt, so we've talked about a little bit of the environments and where they're formed. How do we model these? Is this something we can or should we? Yeah. So, I mean, the interesting thing is you can model this stuff. My only experience is we used to use two different pieces of commercial software. None of them are designed for drilling. Almost all of them are designed to model, you know, production fluids and that sort of thing. Mm. But to have two different pieces of software give very different results and then go to the operator and they run their software and get another different result. And then they said, well, can you like change the simulation so they all match? At that point, I don't have a lot of confidence in the software. Hopefully it has gotten better, but it seems like hydrate inhibition and, and you know some of the mechanisms, yes, you can model it, but it's pretty complicated. And so a lot of times you go with what you know and calibrate those models to successes that you've already had. So you'd measure, you know, we can talk about the additives or whatever, but you, you know, try and figure out how the fluid's treated, adjust its activity, that sort of thing. Hmm and know what's worked in the past and make sure your model is showing you a similar environment with fluid properties and well conditions. But it's kind of a mess. And it's just always interesting to me because when I people, the people that seem the most confident in modeling it are the ones who only have one type of software to model it. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to go wrong when you have one choice. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that makes sense. And then what about testing for like testing for it? So you can test hydrate formation. A lot of the, there are certain test cells. They're very expensive to run, right? You, you have to think these are ten dollars or $15,000 tests. And a lot of them, what they are is it's basically a cell with a magnetic impeller and you create the pressure and the temperature and you obviously have the gas present, which is what makes this kind of expensive and more dangerous than, than other tests. And basically this impeller, you're measuring the torque the whole time it's rotating and basically as ice crystals form on the impeller, it doesn't move as well. And you see that jump in torque and you say, I have sustained hydrates. Hmm. And so then you can add other additives and say, okay, under this pressure and under this temperature, I'm able to inhibit it or not. And you kind of come up with a window where you know that you're pretty safe. And it's interesting because, you know, depending on the mudline temperatures, you know, if you get closer to the Arctic, it can be a bit colder. Like Norway, this is, you know, a huge constant challenge. Gulf of Mexico, it's still very much a challenge, hmm. but it's not necessarily always as predominant. Now, granted, that doesn't mean they spend a ton of money trying to treat this stuff and 
there's no magic silver bullet. There's just really expensive commodity additives yeah. in high volumes. Okay. Know? Huh. So assume, you know, if, if this does occur, what kind of, what would you do to the drilling fluid to prevent it from causing issues? So, I mean, the main thing is to try and prevent it from happening in the first place through kind of the practices, to, you know, so the, what you can do to the fluid specifically, you basically want to lower the freezing point. So salts, lower the freezing point. Problem with salt is I usually have to add so much salt that if I need a low density, it's going to be too heavy. You can also add things like glycol, like monoethylene glycol is very popular. Methanol is very popular. It'll do the same thing and generally not contribute nearly as much of a density increase. And then there's the, so that's like thermodynamic inhibitors and then kinetic inhibitors, kind of like polymers and everything. So basically the treatment is try and prevent that cage from forming or try and prevent those cages from connecting together. So instead of having a solid block, you basically have like a slush that doesn't stick to itself. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, synthetic and oil-based mud works pretty well. You know, if I can get away with drilling with water-based mud, especially if these are generally going to happen when it's coldest. So think shallow below the mud line, you know, 1500 to probably 6,500 feet. If I'm deeper than that, I'm probably drilling with oil-based mud anyways. But those, you know, surface intermediate sections, I probably want to use water-based mud due to losses. It's cheaper. I can do it. Yeah. But you're just going to have to, you know, you're going to have to do some engineering to, to make that work. And so a lot of the conversations when you get into hydrates are, what is that perfect formulation? What additives do I need? And it could be as easy as shifting around the salt. It could be as complicated as adding a special inhibitor that hopefully doesn't affect other mud properties, but you've still got to maintain the concentration and keep an eye on it. And, you know, I've seen a lot of those treatments require 18 pounds per barrel. I mean, it's not, it's not a small amount that you're including in there. Yeah. So hmm. interesting. No, it's, and again, it's just something that we're not too familiar with and with the offshore world being as slow as it is, maybe some folks aren't, but again, it's worth knowing about. I mean, are there any other mitigation tactics that we can use to prevent some of this stuff from happening? Yeah. So I think especially offshore, one of the things they try and do with, you know, better resolution seismic is just avoid it altogether. Yeah. You know, make sure that you drill the well away from any of these pockets because you don't want to encounter them. I think other things like managed pressure drilling, where you can really tightly control the pressure that's being applied, you know, insulated risers, basically to limit the amount of, you know, cold that can be introduced to, you know, facilitate those kinds of things. We've talked about insulated packer fluids in the past to retain heat for like a well test, or that wouldn't be a drilling application necessarily. But if you're going to have those long static periods where you're flowing back a well, it's something to help retain the temperature inside the wellbore or, or the flow line. Yeah. So there are a few other tricks, but, you know, there, there are definitely technologies that can kind of integrate into all of this. But the key is to try and create an unfavorable environment and have some idea if you are. I mean, I've, I've heard stories of people talking about drilling through hydrates and seeing these chunks of ice coming across the shakers and more, I don't know if this is troubling or amusing. Someone told me, well, you know, they put it in a glass and threw a match in there offshore, of course, um, <laughs> people won't be named, but you know, just, you know, the whole thing went up because there was so much gas in there What? and think about that coming across your shakers and yeah, you've got all this hopefully spark arrested equipment and all those other sort of things, but yeah, you'd never want free flowing natural gas coming across the shakers. Right. Jeez. But it's coming, it's, it's appearing as a solid as you drill through it. Wow. So huh. 
this is one of those things I feel like just because we haven't talked about it, we should. This gets very, very messy when you get into modeling and some of the other things. And I almost feel like it makes me a little more secure to talk about it because when I've seen how complicated it is, I realize if you try and put together everything you could read about it, it all contradicts itself. Hmm. So like I can show up and not necessarily be wrong. Um, <laughs> okay. But it requires some discipline. There's, you know, and, and it's one of those things where we're, we don't, thankfully we don't encounter this a lot. Yeah. But it exists. So why not talk about it? Yeah. Be aware of it. And, and if any of the, you know, offshore hands or any of the hands that, you know, listen to this have experienced this or have drilled through it or have some good stories around it, I know we'd love to hear about it. So you can hit us up on LinkedIn or you can email us at the Flowline Podcast at AESFluids.com. Please like, share, and if you could leave a review, that'd be great. And again, if you have any topics that you'd like us to cover that you haven't heard yet, please let us know. That's how we create some of the best episodes. And with that said, Matt, let's go ahead and get on about our day. What do you think? Yes. Take care, y'all. And one thing I would add, I just want to give a shout out to all the students I've been able to visit with lately. I got I, we got U of H coming up, but we got cool. to go to Tech and Texas A&M, AAD student chapters. Just shout out to y'all. You guys were awesome. Awesome. Well, you guys are the future, so appreciate it. And we need more talent to enter our industry because that's how we're going to keep this train going. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.